Thanks for listening to our messages from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources and information on connecting people to Jesus for life change, visit us online at southbridgefellowship.com. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing? About three people doing okay? Okay, awesome. Great, cool. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Ash and I uh, just recently got back from a trip uh, from uh, New, New Orleans, New Orleans, Narlins, Narlins, okay. Um, so I'll give it up for these guys with my props. You think I can get props any heavier? Um, anyway, so we got back from a trip from New Orleans, but anyway, we had a great time there. We, we ate some awesome food, got to see some amazing places. But on the trip back home, uh, we were sat on the airplane ready to get take, taken off, and the captain comes onto the intercom, and you know, he says all the stuff that captains say, like, you know, this is your captain speaking, uh, thanks for flying with us today, we hope you have a great flight. Then he goes on to tell us that he's, um, we're going to be a bit later coming in than one's expected, because there's a storm going into Raleigh, so we have to basically basically take a longer way around. And he said, so we're going to be probably about 10 to 15 minutes late. He said, so you might want to let the people know that I pick you up on the other side that you're running late. Then he goes on to say, he said, go ahead and uh, send them a text or you can message them on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, WhatsApp, GroupMe, WeChat, TikTok, Tumble, MySpace, or any other device that you guys now use to communicate. And he went on for like a whole lot longer than that. And it was just hilarious. But it was also just such a, a profound moment where I just got to think, how many ways in this generation do we have to communicate and to connect with one another? It's, it's unbelievable the amount of different apps and technology that we have to stay in contact and to communicate with one another. However, even though we have all this technology right at our fingertips, we still struggle with the idea of deep community with one another. We have this awesome technology to connect and, and to communicate, but we struggle with actual deep community with one another. Studies have shown that we're more connected than any other time in history, but also we're more isolated as people more than any other time in history. You see, I'm not, I'm not against like social media and, and all those things. You know, I use that stuff. This is not one of those like, hey, we're going to all delete our Facebook apps and, and go back to how it was living off the grid. And No, I'm, that's, that's not what I'm about. Um, but I think we run the risk of using these things as substitutes as opposed to supplements for community. You see, and that's what I love about our sermons online. I love that people can, if you miss church, you can tune in, you can still stay up to date. And, and people that might be watching this, you'll have had an intro before we play this sermon online that has an intro message that says, we hope that you use this as a supplement, not a substitute to biblical community. Because as great as technology is, it cannot replace this actual coming together face-to-face -face with our brothers and sisters as, as a community. Um, and I think that if we're not careful, we can, we can easily begin to drift from the deep community that God created us for. Uh, Dustin Willis, who wrote this great book called Life and Community, says this. He says, instead of sitting on the porch and talking with our neighbors and friends as it was in the good old days... Often we now enter our homes as the garage door closes behind us and we're surrounded by our privacy fence as we eat dinner alone and vicariously live out community by watching television reality, 
TV shows as our neighbors do the same. And, and, and some of you might be like, that, that's way too extreme. You know, that's not me. I don't even own a TV, which I don't get what you point your furniture at if you don't have a TV. But, but, but some of you might be saying, that's, that's a little extreme. I have community. But I think if we take time to actually look at the world around us, this is not far from the truth. We've begun to, to substitute our community with one another by all different avenues and all different means of media and technology. And it goes so far to say that in England, represent, we have a, a TV show called Gogglebox. Has anybody heard of Gogglebox? Oh, one person has. Wow, that's surprising. Um, but anyway, let me explain to you what this TV show is about. It's a TV show where you watch people in their homes watching a TV show. It's, it's a show about watching other families watch shows. You're watching your TV to watch other people watch TV. And, and it sounds crazy, like who would watch that? But on any given night, they have three million people tune in to watch this show. Why? Because I think we crave community so deeply in our very being, but we struggle to find it, and so we find substitutes. We substitute true community for stuff that's convenient. It's not always convenient to, to meet together. We have so many busy lives. But so we start to, to, to substitute community for convenience through social media, through, through TV shows. I mean, let's, let's look at the shows that have done so well over time. You know, you guys heard of the show Cheers, where everybody knows your name? Or Friends, where the, the TV, or the theme song is, I'll be there for you. We love it so much because it's something that resonates inside us that we all long for, this community of people, but we can't find it, so we go to this as a substitute. We've traded our intimacy with one another for imitation. Friends for followers, vulnerability for vanity, interdependence for independence, and we're not called to go alone. We're not lone rangers. God has called us to be a tribe of people. And so we, we crave for this community, but we struggle with it. We, we desire it, but we resist it. We fear vulnerability. We fear being transparent, being open. And so we, we retreat to shallower waters. But today what I want us to do as a body is I want us to challenge these fears. I want us to challenge this idea of convenience for community. And our aim today is to be part of a true kingdom community. And what that looks like is that we're going to have to start breaking down some barriers. We're going to actually have to start sharing our burdens and bearing parts of ourselves with one another that we try to cover up. But I believe if we start to break this down, I really believe that we're going to find breakthrough in our lives to something new, which is a deeper sense of community that God created us for. So my question is, is will you be vulnerable with me today? It's a real question. Yeah. It's scary. I get it. And I'm, and I'm not even talking about vulnerability in a sense of posting a picture to Instagram saying hashtag no filter. Been vulnerable. Hashtag woke up like this. Yeah, right. Sleeping makeup. What? I'm talking about genuine, authentic vulnerability where we, we, we take down some walls, we take down some shields, and we start to bear with one another. And that's the message of my sermon this morning, is bear with me. And we're going to talk about barriers, burdens, 
that will ultimately lead us to breakthrough. And no, I didn't spell bear wrong, okay? I know some people are out there like, oh, there's a typo right there. No, I, I specifically called it this bear because it's this idea of that we're going to be vulnerable with one another. We're going to stop covering up, and we're going to expose parts of ourselves that we're trying to hide to the outside world. And this idea of covering up and hiding parts of ourselves is not new. Instagram didn't invent this when they came up with filters. It's something that we've struggled with from the very beginning of time and something that we have to fight for. You see, at the very beginning of creation, we were created for community. Before creation, God existed in community with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even before creation, community existed, and God created us in his likeness. You see, before creation, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. He, he created a separation between land and ocean, night and day. He created all the animals on the land, the fish in the sea, the birds in the air. And then he comes to create man. Before all that, he created all that stuff and he said, it is good. Then he comes to create man. And this is the first time that we see God created something and he said, it's not good. If we look at Genesis 1.26, God, it says, then God said, oh, sorry, Genesis 2.18, it says, then the Lord said, it is not good for man that he should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. You see, in order for God to create us in his true likeness, he had to create us in community. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Them. God created us in community. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. He created a helper for Adam, and it was such a beautiful picture of man and woman in true communion with God and in with one another. It said so much that it said in Genesis 2.25, it said, and the man and wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They literally bared it all. Now, I'm not saying that we as a community should start getting naked together, okay? Sir, in the back, put your shirt back on. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about, but it's this idea of this perfect image where, where two people can, can be completely vulnerable with one another, not have any walls or any barriers. It's a perfect picture of what it looks like to be in true communion with one another. And it lasted for about 28 verses. For those of you that don't know, the devil came in as a serpent, and he, he deceived man, and man fell to his pride, and, and he took the apple from the tree that he wasn't supposed to take, and through one man's disobedience, sin entered the world. And in that moment, our communion with God and with one another was broken. Genesis 3, 7 says, and the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You see, they went from being fully known to fully clothed. They started to cover up their vulnerability and started to hide behind stuff. And I want you to know that we're still doing the same today. 
Our fig leaves look a little bit different than they did back then. We got some like Louis Vuitton fig leaves up in here. You know, we got, it's, it's the jobs that we have, the performance, our talents, our money, all this stuff that we feel that we need to hide behind because we're so afraid of somebody actually truly knowing us. We're so afraid to be fully known. And so in that moment, when sin entered the world, our community with one another was fractured. It was cracked. So we start putting up barriers to keep the outside world out because we have fears of being betrayed, embarrassed, rejected. We carry shame. We're scared of being ignored. And so we keep a distance, enough to be connected, but not in communion. Communion meaning that the sharing of intimate thoughts and feelings with one another. But I want you to know today that there is hope and his name is Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus came into this world, he came as a bridge to bridge our brokenness, to bridge us back into a true communion with God and with one another. But we have to run to him. We have to depend upon him, and we actually have to live out the gospel. So my goal for us today as a church is to break down barriers that hold us back from bearing our burdens with our brothers and sisters. To take a step deeper into kingdom community with one another. A true community, as David Platt puts it, as one that cares for one another, loves one another, hosts one another, receives one another, honors one another, serves one another, instructs one another, forgives one another, motivates one another, builds peace with one another, encourages one another, comforts one another, prays for one another, confesses sins to one another, esteems one another, edifies one another, teaches one another, shows kindness to one another, gives to one another, rejoices with one another, weeps with one another, hurts with one another, and restores one another. Who in this world would not want to be part of a community like that? That's why Jesus said a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and by your love the whole world will know you are my disciples. Our greatest witness to the world in our Christian faith is Christian community. The majority of people coming to know Christ is not through a theological debate or argument, but it's through belonging to a meaningful community before belief is even required. Our community with one another puts the gospel on display. The gospel that even though we fell short at the beginning of creation, we now have restoration through Jesus Christ, and through him we can live in a social community community impossibility, which is people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, all different stories can come together in communion as one and lay it all down at the foot of the cross. And by receiving the grace that God has given us, we can now give grace freely to our brothers and sisters. The cross is what unites us. There's nothing more powerful than that. Anything that divides us, the cross is stronger and unites us. And so this morning, I want us to dive into Galatians 6 together and look at what it looks like bearing each other's burdens in community. So if you guys want to turn to Galatians 6, we're going to start in in verse 1. 
We don't have time to get into all that Paul is talking about in these few verses, but I do just want to break down a couple elements that Paul is talking about. He starts off by saying, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in spiritual gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. First, Paul lays down some some ground rules as to what it looks like to bear each other's burdens. He said, if anybody is caught in any transgression, now transgressions here is pretty broad. If you look look into the study of this stuff, basically transgressions could could be somebody dealing with sin, even sin that they've brought onto their own life. It could be uh, just any weight or any anything that's just hard to carry and to walk through life. Basically, Transgression here could be translated into anything that threatens or attacks the joy of the Lord upon your life. And so that that could be so many things to so many people. But then he goes on to say, uh, and if anybody is caught in any transgression. So caught here is in a sense of not like, aha, I got you. Like I'm waiting for somebody to mess up and slip up, like I'm, I'm just hiding behind the corner waiting to catch somebody in sin. No, the, the imagery here is that this is somebody that is running from sin, but sin runs faster and catches them. This, is, this could be somebody that is running from this stuff, but yet somehow along the way, sin catches up to them. And Paul said it's our job to reach out to those people in gentleness with the goal to restore them. That should always be our approach. It's gentleness with the goal to restore one another. Even if, we're, even if we're having to speak hard truths to people, we need to do it in gentleness and compassion to those people. Now, I know people that just say, well, I just say it how I see it. And I say, if you're saying it how you see it without gentleness and out kindness, you're saying it and you're seeing it wrong. You see, gentleness And kindness is a fruit of the Spirit that we should operate out of and I hope to not tear people down, not to put more burdens on them, but to actually point them to Jesus, the great restorer, with hopes to restore them. I read a quote the other day that says, everybody you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind always. That should be our approach to those around us, gentleness and kindness. Second, and this is important, Paul says, keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. This again is speaking to our approach and attitude of how we deal with people that are getting caught up in sin. Meaning that we shouldn't start judging them and thinking, oh, how could they make such a stupid mistake? How could they do that? Oh, I would never do something like that. They just need to get their act together. Paul's saying, watch out. This is like a warning, warning, flashing lights. Be careful because that thing that that person's struggling with Don't think you're immune from struggling with that yourself. It's only by the grace of God that you have kept from that thing. We need to walk in grace constantly. Man, when I go to Walmart, I need God's grace upon my life, right? Like wherever I go, we need God's grace constantly. And so Paul is saying, be careful when you're approaching these people. Don't put yourself on a pedestal thinking, I can fix this person We need to be running to Jesus Christ and pointing them to Jesus Christ as the ultimate restorer. I love the way that the message puts it. It says, if somebody falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Saving your critical comments to yourself, you might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Don't think you're immune to this stuff. Don't think that you couldn't struggle with this stuff. It's literally the grace of God upon your life that you're able to overcome these things. I was speaking to somebody this week, actually, and I asked them if I could share their story. 
And, uh, and basically, they were just telling me about their life and their walk with God. And they said, I, I, was, I was raised in church and went to a Christian school. I got involved in the church. I was serving at the church. I was teaching at the church. And, and he said this thing. He said, I was just like you. And somewhere along the way, sin caught him. He fell into love with money, and he led him down this, this dark path into sin, ended up going to prison. And, and what stuck with me is this saying of, I was just like you. This is Paul warning, keep watch. I can't stand on this stage and think that just because I preach, just because I'm a pastor, that I'm immune to the same temptations. I constantly need to be dependent upon God. And this guy goes on to tell me the rest of his story and that he ended up going into prison for about seven years and through it, his mom was kind of his rock that turned up every single day. And she was like Jesus with skin onto him. Out of that, after he got out, he, he ended up coming back to the Lord and he actually goes to this church and he's found a community of people that wanted to point him to Jesus to restore. And so Paul's saying, don't ever think just because you go to church and do all this stuff that you can't be tempted with such things. You need to depend on God just as much. You need the grace of God upon your life. Second part, which is what I want to camp out on, Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anybody thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Don't deceive yourselves today. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load. So, again, there's a lot here. I just want to kind of break down two parts. Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? I thought Christ came to fulfill the law. What is this law? I thought it was no longer underneath the law. That is true, but Jesus Christ gives us a new law, which is to love God and love one another. If we do that, it encompasses all the law. That's, again, why Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. This is a new commandment I give to you. This is the idea of what Paul is talking about. If we bear one another's burdens, we're fulfilling that very thing that he spoke about. So bear one another's burdens. But then he goes on to say at the end, for each will have to bear his own load. So which one is it? Bear one another's burdens or you bear your own burdens? Like, it almost looks like Paul, within a couple verses, is contradicting himself. He's a little confused. He's like, oh, bear, bear each other's burdens. Oh, but actually, you should be bearing your own burdens. But if we actually break this down, it becomes a little clearer. And so I'm going to ask uh, Josh, can you come up and uh, can you give me a, a hand? Uh, give it up for Josh. He doesn't know what he's getting himself into. So, I, I call this title, uh, this sermon, you know, Bear With Me, and it's uh, Barriers, Burdens, and Blessing, a breakthrough, but it should be Barriers, Burdens, and, and Biceps, because look at this guy. <laughs> I just want to press my Yeah, come on now. So, I'm going to ask you to get ready to do, to do a, bench, a bench press, okay? Uh, how much weight you want, man? I'll give you, give you some 45s. We'll keep, we'll, we'll keep, yeah, that girl weights. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to ABC Fitness for providing this awesome prop. This is not a sponsored sermon. <laughs> okay, so, so what Paul's talking about when he says bear one another's burdens, he's talking about the word burden translates into the Greek into a word called baros. And baros is basically a weight 
that is too heavy for one person to carry on their own. And so in, in, in fitness and in lifting weights is a, is a practice that you guys have probably all heard of, which is called spotting. Okay, when you need a spotter to carry some weight for you. Basically, what a spotter does is it allows the person doing the weight to carry a weight that's normally too heavy for them or that would be unsafe for them to carry on their own. Okay, and so, and so I'm going to ask you to do this weight. And, and you know, he's going to be able to do this weight. Look at him. Um, but uh, for the sake of the illustration, I'm going to ask him to kind of struggle a little bit. Because then if you really do struggle, they don't know. Okay, so what a spotter does, if, if he's struggling right now, he's trying to lift this thing up, all a spotter does is he just comes underneath and he just takes a little bit of weight off him. Okay, he, he, he carried the whole weight himself, but I, he just needed that little bit of help to lift off some of that weight because it was too heavy for him alone. If you stay there, you're doing awesome, man. And so this is that idea that Paul is talking about, barrows, a weight that is crushing for somebody that is too hard for them to do on their own. And so Paul's saying when somebody's dealing with a weight like that, it's our job as brothers and sisters in Christ to be a spotter for that person, to come in under that weight and say, let me carry some of that weight for you. So to enable them to lift that weight. This is a picture of what it looks like to be in kingdom community with one another. Let it be a common question for us to ask our brothers and sisters, how are you doing? How can I help? What are you, what are you dealing with? Can, can I lift some of that weight off you? What can I do? How can I pray for you? Let that be our approach. Now, when Paul talks about each will have to bear his own load, or some words, his, his, his own burdens, this is, this is a completely different word to what he just used previously. The previous word was barrow, so waste that's too heavy for one person. This word translates to fortion, which basically is the imagery of a soldier's backpack, the weight that a soldier would carry in his backpack. Basically, it's, it's an expected weight that that soldier's responsible for carrying. So in this demonstration, this would be like me taking off these weights, Look at that. And then um, asking, okay, let's say, let's say Josh, you're about to do this weight. He's just going to do the bar. Like he obviously can do the bar. This, is, this should be his own responsibility. And so as he's doing his weight, if I just came along and said, no, I'll take that. Like if, if I took all this weight off him, like it's, it's not going to be beneficial for him. You see, his job is to carry this bar and to add weight to it to enable him to make him stronger, okay? In this sense, he's trying to bulk up his biceps, okay? And, and so if I started taking this weight off him, oh, yeah, sorry, chest, thank you. But, <laughs> but bi biceps, like, rhymed, okay? It was better for my point, okay? So, um, and so, but if I took this weight off him, it's now actually not helping him. It's essentially going to hurt him. Because he's, he's, not, he's not building those muscles that he's wanting to build. And this concept is spoke about in a great book called When Helping Hurts. And it's this idea when instead of just teaching him how to lift this weight on his own, we're constantly trying to take the weight off him. But there's certain responsibilities in our Christian walk and in our lives that we have responsibility to carry. Now, there is also times where there's too much weight where we need to step in. But this idea of normal responsibility is that idea of like helicopter parents or snowplow parents, right? Where it's like instead of preparing our kids for the road, we're actually clearing the road out for them, which in the sense is going to do more damage for them, whereas we should be giving them the tools to carry their own weight 
in life, okay? Thanks, man. So appreciate you. <laughs> and so there is a, a burden, there is a weight that we should carry on our own. But then I want us as a community to be believers where we're looking and trying to be sensitive to those around us where we can be asking, where can I carry some of that weight? And in order for us to do this effectively, we also need people that are humble enough to say, I need some help. I feel like so often we live in a world where we try to cover up, where we're so afraid to show our shortcomings and our struggles that we put on these masks and, and we try and act like everything's okay. But in order for us to live in this kingdom community, we need to be able to trust one another and to, and to be able to be humble enough to say, I need some help over here. I'm, I'm struggling with this. Can you help carry this? Will, will you pray for me? And we need to be a people that will respond and be okay to be inconvenienced by community and for the sake of others. And I get it. I get why people struggle with this vulnerability because we're so afraid that what if, what if I get hurt? What if I get embarrassed? What if they end up telling somebody else? What if, what if they don't show up like I expect them to show up? And we start to put up these barriers because we're so afraid of it, so I don't want to let anybody in, so I'll keep them out. I get it, okay? This week, I, uh, this past week when I was in New Orleans, um, I actually... Um, I had an experience like this. I was, I was walking up the street, and this guy came up to me, and he was like just a super nice guy. He's like, hey, man, I love your shoes. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. I had like my cool, like crazy shoes on. I'm like, I'm just thinking this dude's been like super nice to me. He's like, I love your shoes. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Awesome. He's like, hey, if I, can I guess where you got your shoes? And I'm just like, yeah, sure, man. Like, feel free. He's like, I think I can guess where you got your shoes. And he's talking so fast. I don't know what's happening. I'm just thinking he's been a nice guy. But I'm actually getting hustled. I had zero idea I was getting hustled. He's like, okay, Leah, let me tell you where, I got, where you got your shoes. I'm like, okay. He's like, you got your shoes on the bottom of your feet. Next thing I know, he's spraying cleaner on my shoe. He's cleaning my shoe with his towel. Where did this towel come from? Where did this, and, and all, it all happened so fast. Turns out I ended up having to give this guy money. I'm like, what just happened? Like, I'm just thinking he's complimenting me on my shoes. He's actually hustling me out of money. And, 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 and as he's cleaning my shoes, he's like, this son, this is the New Orleans shoe shine hustle. I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Anyway, after that, I put up walls and barriers to everybody around me. Somebody's like, hey, sir, do you know what? Like, whoa, it's happening again. It's happening again. <laughs> like, I was so afraid. I had this one guy that just actually legitly wanted to compliment me on my jeans that I was wearing. He was like a model, and he's like, hey, man, I want to know where you got those jeans. And I'm just like, uh, wait, is this, is this the New Orleans pent hustle? Like, what, like, what is happening? Just turned out he's been real nice. And, and I say all that to say that. This is what we do in our lives. We've been hurt, we've been betrayed, and so we're so afraid, and so we put up walls, and we miss out on the actual community that God has designed us for. And so I don't want anybody in this place to miss out on the depth of community that God has for you because of these fears, and because of our pride and our struggles. And so, I want you guys to know that I've, I've been through this, this battle in my own life. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I actually really struggle with vulnerability. Um, I, I, I struggle to let people in. I feel like I have to put on, I need to be a certain person. And, and so I struggle with this idea. Just even writing this sermon, God was challenging me and just hitching away at certain parts of my life. 
but I know the importance of community. So a couple of years ago, probably like three to four years ago, I, uh, I went to, on a mission trip to Tanzania, and when I got back, um, I actually got super sick. Um, so much so that I took a nap one day, it was like probably like two days after, and I woke up from this nap, and I remember just waking up, and I've seen a picture of me and Ashley on the wall, I couldn't remember who she was or where I was or what was going on. Like, and so, obviously, I was rushed into the ER, and, um, and they asked you the question, like, have you been out of the country in the last two weeks? And I'm like, yeah, I've been to Tanzania, Africa. And, like, quarantine came in. People ziplining in from, like, this, this arm. Like, we're going to make you paler than you came in. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Turns out I had a, a perfect storm of things going on. I, I had super low vitamin D deficiency. I had strep all in my sinuses. And I'd also been intoxicated by mold. We was living in Fayetteville at the time and we had a house that had mold and we didn't know about it. So all this stuff just kind of hit me at once. It actually had nothing to do with me going to Tanzania, Africa, surprisingly. Because um, I was like, how did I get vitamin D deficiency in Africa? Like, I had so much sun. And, but anyway, I had all this storm going on and it took me about a year to fully recover. But what came with it was I actually started dealing with depression and anxiety. I, uh, for, for some reason, I couldn't explain it in my mind. My logical mind knew that I had no reason to be afraid. I had no reason to be depressed. I loved my life. I had great people. Everything was going great. But I just couldn't shake this, this fear and this depression. It was almost like there was just a black cloud following me everywhere. And I could logically explain, like, I know I have nothing to fear, but yet I still felt it. I, I, I struggled with wanting to go out of the house. I wanted just to stay inside. I didn't want to see my friends. I, I could no longer sleep in my bed for whatever reason. I had to sleep on the couch for months. I just felt safer there. And I remember days when everything just felt meaningless. I felt like Solomon writing Ecclesiastes, like, woe is me, life is meaningless. I'm like, Solomon, I understand now, I get it. And there was just days when I would just uncontrollably cry and I couldn't explain it. And the only person that knew was my wife. Because I struggled with vulnerability so much that I'm like, if anybody knew what I was dealing with, it would discredit me. I had this idea that I'm a pastor. I should be helping people with this. This is my pride. I should be helping people with this, not people helping me. Like, what are people going to think if, if I'm struggling with this stuff? And so it was wrong, but and so I isolated myself. I covered myself up just like Adam and Eve was doing in the very beginning. And months later, I finally realized that I, I can't no longer isolate myself, but I need a community to share this weight with me. So I ended up opening up to my pastors and my friends and, and circles around me and told them, this is what I'm dealing with. And it was such a beautiful picture of what community looks like. These people surrounded us. They, they now understood a lot of the stuff going on that they didn't before. And so they surrounded us. They started praying for us. They were checking in on my wife. How's she doing? And, and, and they just started to, to spot us. She started to take a little bit of weight off us. We still had to fight the battle, but now we had a community that was battling with us, and it made all the difference. Thankfully, about a year kind of got over this and came out of the other side, and, and so now I feel like I, I can empathize and I can understand with what other people are going through. So I want you to know there's, there's a couple things. There's seasons in life where you're going to need help, 
And then there's also seasons in life where you're gonna get to help. But in order for us to do effectively, we have to break down these barriers that we keep putting up. And so, today I want us to do something a little different than what we normally do on a Sunday morning. But I actually want us to put into practice what we've been talking about. I don't want us just to talk about community. I actually want us to act on community. You see, it's easy for us to be a church this size and be in proximity with hundreds of people on a week-to-week basis, but proximity doesn't equal community. You see, it's easy for us to come into a place like this, carrying the weights of our life, the burdens of our life, seeing one another and saying, hey, how you doing? And we just respond with, I'm doing good, thanks, how are you? yet hiding the weight that we're struggling with. And so what I want us to do is that today I want us to try and fight for and battle for breakthrough to enter into a deeper sense of community with one another. And so what I want us to do for about 10, 15 minutes, I want us to actually break up into groups, maybe three, four, five, six, seven, however you want to do it. Maybe you're with people you know, people you don't know, people you trust, however you want to do it. But I actually want us to start putting into practice this. I want us to share our burdens with one another. Maybe it's not something huge. Maybe it's just something like my dishwasher broke and I'm stressing out. And maybe somebody in that group's like, oh, I, I fix dishwashers. I can help you. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe, though, you're dealing with something that you've been hiding. Or you're dealing with a weight that you've not been wanting to tell people. And maybe today is the day where you actually start to step into a deeper sense of community with the people around you and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? Can you lift me up? Can you check in on me? This is what I'm going through. And, and those around us, I hope that will actually step under that weight and lift some of that off. That will become spotters for our brothers and sisters. And I know this is unusual. First time guests, I apologize. <laughs> if this makes you feel uncomfortable, this is not my hope. My hope is that you'll actually see a community of believers that want to love and support one another, that we don't just want to talk about gospel, but we actually want to live the gospel out. And so if it's your first time here, we want you to be a part of this. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we still want you to be a part of this. We want to care and love on you too. And maybe even if you're wanting to ask questions and you're dealing with stuff and you're wanting to know Jesus, maybe share that in your group and they can tell you about Jesus. Introverts, I apologize. I see everybody like checking the exits, like if I go to the bathroom now, will they know? I get it, I'm one of those people, like, but I also know that it's so good for us. And if you're having those feelings, I feel like that shows the need for this message of why am I struggling with this? Why do I want to run and isolate? And so uh, there's going to be some things up on the screen, just a couple questions that you can use. Don't feel like you need to use them, but it's just a a way to kind of get into it. Basically, what I want us to do today is share with one another what is threatening, what is attacking the joy that the Lord has given me on my life today. And so we're going to do that because we're all in this together. I want this to be a safe place. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. We've all fallen short. But 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession. You see, we're a tribe. We're a tribe of people that's supposed to come together and be open. And then he says, And then you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've all operated in darkness. And, and so I want us to just understand that, that we're all broken. We're all messed up. And so have the vulnerability to share with one another. 
And so, can we do that? Can we start splitting up into some groups and having that conversation?